don't know what that one was, but we're, we're rolling with it with me, Josh. And me, Dono. Um, we're back again, baby. If you haven't already listened to our Week in Football, um, listen to it. If you have listened to it, thank you so much. I hope you got to the point at the end where I just go, enjoy! <laughs> <laughs> and my my personal my personal highlight of the whole Week in Football is Dono <laughs> literally bumming off, <laughs> bumming off Bournemouth. Oh, mate, they play such good attack in football. Oh, fuck. 2-1 West Ham. <laughs> it's so... It's the way you have a realisation. and you're, It's the way you have a realisation and you're just like, I've done it again. 2-1 West Ham. <laughs> it's I've start, so good. I've started because I know I'm going to say West Ham to win and I'm like, all right, I need to just... I need to address the fact that I think Bournemouth are a good side, but I've just gone way overboard, almost convincing myself that Bournemouth are going to win before reading out 2-1 West Ham. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't listened to that listen to it because it's fucking hilarious um, and we are going to we're going into a player pod today um, which you will know um, from the title and from the fact hopefully you'll know from the fact that Dono has already gone I think France and I think <laughs> with that we'll get that comment will get made so many times during this episode so we're going to answer the question mate how good was Solzia Jeremiah Campbell aka Soul Campbell, aka the Soul Man, aka I think France. <laughs> he, is, all, he is known by all of those. <laughs> he is known by all of those names. So, Soul Campbell, Dono, talk to me. I think we, he, he is. He is like a a prime child, a prime childhood centre back for me. Yeah, a prime child. He's 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 like the last of like the old school centre halves. I think. Um, obviously, he could play, but. Fucking hell, he loved the slide tackle. Looking back on some of the slide tackles he did, oh my god, there's no way he'd get away with some of them nowadays. Like he's off the ground for quite a lot of his tackles. Looking back on some of them, um, and yeah, he, he'd be getting red cards left, right, and centre. But he was a very cultured centre half, and I don't remember him being that cultured. I remember him obviously playing that that really good Arsenal side, um, alongside Colo Torre, but. I don't remember him being quite as good technically as he as as I as I watched back. Um, but yeah, from from like memories, he was just an absolute force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think what you were saying as well about the uh, you don't remember him being as silky or as cultured as centre back. I think that's where recency bias comes into comes into things like this. I think it's part of the reason that we wanted to do these type of things is because I know that football is played in a different brand of way now, but. I think everyone just thinks every player was kicking head. Like, do you know what I mean? Like when you think back of players from like the late nineties, especially big, strong players like Sol Campbell, you just think kick ball, head ball, but he's obviously got loads more to him than that. Um, and he was, a, he, he was obviously class. I mean, he was, he was obviously class, but do, do you know what I find before we start talking about other things, what I find really interesting is he played, I think he played nearly twice as much for Spurs as he did for Arsenal. And my only memory of Sol Campbell is him playing for Arsenal. I think that's our age, though. Yeah, it is our age. And obviously, I know everything happened. But my memory of Sol Campbell is him being a class player for Arsenal. But he played, yeah, he played nearly twice as much for Spurs as he did for Arsenal, which is absolutely mental. Um, And on that note, why don't you go through, (laughs) why don't you go through his tale of the tape? Not a long one, this one. I can't wait to hear what jokes you've got planned, by the way, for this. Uh, these are all off the cuff, as with as with every week. Um, so, Soul, Big Soul, the Soul Man, starts his career at the Premier League winners, October 2023. <laughs> the smallest... <laughs> one of the smallest... Sorry, not one of the small. One of the um, Sky Six, um, Tottenham Hotspur before he makes a audacious, audacious move to the Premier League winners November 2023 Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Where he obviously enjoys his, his probably most successful successful spell in his career um, before he moves to arguably the best night out in the UK, Portsmouth. Oh... And then he makes a bit of, <laughs> and then he goes from he goes from Portsmouth. He has a great time. Does we'll go through what he does at Portsmouth, but has a great time there. He decides to make a what would we say a fleeting appearance 
in Nottingham, <laughs> at arguably the biggest club in Nottingham, Notts County. I reckon Gaz G Short. I reckon Gaz G Short has had a longer appearance at nightclubs in Nottingham than Sol Campbell has at the football clubs in Nottingham. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, but then he just goes, nah, I've had enough. I'm going back. I want a bit more. And he makes another move back to Arsenal. Um, again, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. Um, and then he thinks, I really fancy a new pair of Copa Mundials. And I could do with a Sports Direct voucher. Or maybe just like a discount. <laughs> and he makes a massive move to Newcastle United. Where he then finishes his career. I think that that's your best. I think that's your best tale of the tape so far. I think that was, there was not one part of that that missed. That was superb. That was absolutely super. So basically I'm what we need that, is man. players that have played, players that have played in not too, at not too many clubs and that we can, and that are all English essentially. So we've, so. <laughs> so it's relatable. Yeah. We've basically turned into the mate how Farage was podcast. So we're only going to do English <laughs> players from now on in. Um, right. He also, he also um, manages, he has a short managerial career, which we will talk about at some point. Um, but his awards, he wins Premier League twice. He wins the FA Cup thrice, which is three times. Um, he wins the Champions League runner-up medal once. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, he wins the FA Cup with Arsenal. Oh, wait, no, he wins the FA Cup with the greatest sea in the South. South Sea, Portsmouth. He wins the England under-19 under, under championship in 1993. Who the fuck do you think was in that England squad in 1993, by the way? That is unreal. Uh, he wins the Toulon tournament and the Tournoi, and he's in the PFA Team of the Year a few times, and he's in the FIFA World Cup All-Stars Team a few times. So, Soul. Big Soul. Right, starts his career. Well, let's not talk about. I listened to. I actually listened to the high performance podcast where he talks about his like childhood and stuff like that. Like that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about Soul as a footballer. So Soul actually starts his career at Tottenham. All right. Now I think it's obvious, obvious that we're going to bring up the point the move from Tottenham to Arsenal. But I mean, he has got to have like before we even go to the career. Who the fuck is like? Who the fuck has thought that's a good idea? Like it is obviously a good idea because it works out well. But I mean. Who the fuck does that? You got a pair of bollocks on you, and you. I think. Fuck me. I don't. I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine it now. I, I can't. The, the. I can't believe it ever happened. Because I think back then it would have been so much worse for him on the terraces. But I just couldn't see that ever happening now. Can you imagine if Harry Kane had turned around at the end of the season and was like, "I'm leaving. I'm going to Arsenal." And the way he did it as well was so fucking arrogant. I, I can't help but love it. Can you imagine a secret unveiling at your rivals? You've got no idea he's gone. But the fact that he's gone to your rivals and he sat there smug as anything, smiling his face off. Oh my God, I'd fucking throw the TV out the window. Mate, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about it a little bit more, but it's just the audacity, isn't it? Harry Kane being like, go on, let's go! To Arsenal. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine Arteta? A vogging, guys. We've got a vogging, Harry vogging gain. Um, but anyway, sorry. I don't know. This isn't the mate how shit are my impressions of footballers and managers as well. Um, but what I find so interesting about his Tottenham career is, he's, um, is he makes his debut in 1992. He makes his debut on the 5th of December, right? He comes on as a substitute and he scores against Chelsea... He scores against Chelsea in his debut for Tottenham and then doesn't play again a single minute for the whole rest of the season. <laughs> like, what the... Like, could, like what, he must have done or said something. Like, yeah, upcoming promising, like, yeah, you'd understand if he might get like five, six more games season, a few sub-appearances and stuff. It's giving me big Danny Rose vibes. You remember when he scored on his debut against yeah. Arsenal? For him, to, um, for him to come on, score against Chelsea, obviously big game, um, and then just never play again. That's so fucking weird, isn't it? So it's weird. It's it's quite strange as well, considering the manager at the time was Terry Venables, and a, a lot of I hear a lot of ex pros talk about Terry Venables and say how good he was as a man manager as well. And you think if a young player like him's coming in, scoring on his debut makes a massive impression. You would have thought he would have at least seen the light of day for the at some point the rest of the season, but 
obviously wasn't meant to the be. The light of day. I don't think. I don't think he was. I don't think he was a fucking prisoner. <laughs> Banished. The light of day. It's, mate, oh, it's, 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 it's the podcast, mate. It just makes me just chat absolute garbage. <laughs> mate, how banished was? <laughs> mate, how banished was Sol Campbell? Um, Not banished for long, though. No, he wasn't banished for long because the next season he comes back and he plays fullback and he gets a four-year deal. So do you know what I mean? Like we're not all we're not we're not all. We're, do you know what I mean? We're not we're not laughing at you, Sol. Do you know what I mean? You've done a good job, Sol, man. So he's um he's back four-year deal. And then, obviously, he keeps playing at Spurs, plays really well, blah, 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 blah. We don't really care too much about it. Interesting thing, though, he does win a trophy at Spurs. Spurs haven't won a trophy. Someone was saying earlier, Spurs won one trophy since Daniel Levy's been in 21 years. That is terrible, isn't it? But he did. But Sol Campbell, prior to that, did win a trophy at Spurs. He won uh, the League Cup in the 98-99 season. So while Man United were doing the treble... He they won the league cup. We could it could and should have been the quadruple, arguably. But the importance and the relevance of it is Big Soul is the first Big Soul is the first black footballer and black captain to not first black footballer, first black captain to lift a major trophy. So shout out you, Sol Campbell. Shout out Sol Campbell. Um carries on at Spurs and basically towards the end of his towards the end of, t- of his time at Spurs he plays there loads he's obviously he's obviously one of their best players as he's sort of coming out there's a nun, there's another young English centre back coming in do you know who it is is it big ledley mate could you imagine right in an alter- in an alternate universe that Sol Campbell never left Arsenal and Ledley King never got injured Spurs would genuinely be Spurs would genuinely be a would they have won the? I don't think they'd have won the Premier League just based off those two, but they would definitely be a bigger club and they'd be in a better position. Hundred yeah. percent. That would have been. A, they would have been so. You would have thought if yeah. So say they say they stayed. Lady King now have got injured. They probably would have been that good. Do you reckon they would have been England starting? So this is another thing I was thinking about as well. Do you reckon they would have been? If <laughs> sorry, we'll go one, one at a time. If they did stay together, and hypothetically Lady King never gets injured, if that partnership had become what it what it would have been with the players they were yeah. would that have been England starting centre backs I think it would have obviously for a time it's it, Campbell starts for England quite a lot prior to I think it's John Terry kind of like yeah stif- like moves him out but yeah that could that could have been that could have made can you imagine that would have been absolutely disgraceful they're both quite similar players, actually. When I was watching him, I was, I was thinking he reminds me a lot of Ledley King, and I don't remember like I don't remember him being like that. It's a lot of like the just putting his foot on the ball when a player's trying to go past him. Is just I love those tackles yeah. so much. He's also, I think, I think what Sol Campbell gets sort of um, unfortunately, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I think one thing that he unfortunately that almost works anti him is he's fucking massive. Because he's fucking massive, you just don't assault him, associate him with being silky. You just think he's going to be a big get your get his, get your body in the way of everything, tackle everything because he's really tall and he's built like a brick shit house. But he was a proper silky footballer. I know that I know that this podcast isn't about Ledley King, and we probably will do one about Ledley King at one time. But mate, Ledley King is actually a joke, right? He's actually a joke because he, when you listen to, I feel like when you listen to ex pros talk about how good Ledley King was. No, everyone says that he could, he should have been captain in Barcelona and Real Madrid. But when you actually like, when you step back and think about it, he used to not train. He wouldn't run. He would be on the bikes because his knees would be so bad. And then he'd turn up on a Saturday and just be the best defender. Like he had that, that was his routine for years. Imagine not being able to improve your craft on a, on a, during the week, like every other player is ride a bike during the week to keep your fitness up or like be on like a spin bike and maybe do one session on the grass and then go and play on a Saturday and be the best player about. Back to your original question. If those two were together, would they start for England? Yeah. I think they would. I think it'd be harder. F- well, Rio Ferdinand would have something to say about it, and I don't think it's a guarantee those two. I think Rio would still get in, but I think, but I do think that those two would have started as a pairing for England more, especially if they're play. If you're playing together at club level, it makes it all easier, doesn't it? There was a time actually. Um, I would assume it was during Rio's ban when Ledley King had actually had to take in his place in the England squad because I remember him and Terry playing a bit. Um, so yeah, probably. 
it's funny about the Ledley King, and I always think it, it always happens with these players that were class but very injury prone when they talk about them being like they could have been this, they could have been that. It rem- the the things that people say about Ledley King are very similar to the things I hear people say about Paul McGrath and how if he if if he didn't have any injury he would like he was unreal and like he could have played for anyone obviously he did play for Man United so it wasn't it wasn't like he didn't play for like big clubs but um, it's always those players that are injured that don't train and then still turn up and be the best player on the pitch at the weekend I think uh, that's something that you don't like those players just I just feel like they will just never exist ever again. I can't imagine a player not training nowadays turning up on a on a Saturday afternoon and being the best player on the pitch. Yeah, agreed 100%. Can't see it happening. I it won't ha- it wouldn't happen, I don't think. Um it wouldn't happen, I don't think. Because I just think that uh, it it is so impressive how special a talent obviously Ledley King was for that to be the case. That but I just don't think it will happen again. Um but anyway, before that, so his, so in the, um, so t- towards the end of his time there, basically he, um, he actually gets injured in a game against Arsenal towards the end of the 2001 campaign, um, with which Ledley King comes on for him, and then he's sort of the he's the next one in the cases of the high-profile Bosman moves, and no one really knew where he, no one really knew where he was going. So, so basically, Spurs had been negotiating with him from with for months, and they offered him like a stupid amount of money, despite the fact they knew he wasn't happy. But he basically said, "Nope, I want to go and play um, Champions League." And apparently, he was a little bit, um, he was a, his head was turned a little bit by Sven Goran Eriksson telling him that he needs to go and play in the Champions League. Right then, I am going to say, and I, I, I'm going to say this right with. I actually don't think I could think of another one. I think Arsene Wenger unveiling Sol Campbell at a press conference is the biggest example of big dick energy that I've ever seen in football. Ever. And I'm going to say why, right? I'm going to say why I think it is. I was having a proper think about it. Maybe not ever, but it's up there. In terms of a non-football, like like something that hasn't happened on a pitch with a player, because... Arsene Wenger has announced the press conference, right? He's announced the press conference to reveal substitute goalkeeper Richard Wright has signed for a three and a half million pound fee. That's what the press think. The press think that it's to, to announce the signing of Richard Wright. Right. And then, and then he has brought out England's international captain of the rivals team, one of the best centre-backs in the country, Arguably the best British centre back, English centre back in the country, other than Tony Adams, who he's also got, and he's just sat him down and been like, "Any questions?" That is that is <laughs> big dick energy beyond belief. And the best part is when you watch it, Wenger's Wenger and Campbell's smile are like that. They're just sort of like imagine social media was around in those days and no one knew, and it came out of social media. It would genuinely be it would genuinely be one of the most like tweeted reposted commenting on things that has ever been on social media it is fucking it's i rate it from wenger so much it takes a huge pair of bollocks for soul to do it but i rate it from wenger so much yeah yeah no um i don't know if i agree or the with the biggest the biggest dick energy that <laughs> what am i talking about um i don't know if it's the, the greatest thing i've seen but it's yeah it's it's the audacity. I don't think I don't think Wenger actually knew that much about the transfer. From from what I saw, it sounded a lot like David Dean had like negotiated it without Wenger knowing really, and said like, "Oh, by the way, we're going to sign this player." I didn't tell him who it was. Eventually, obviously, finds out. It's a very small amount of people that know about it. And I think in the press conference, you see that Wenger is just as surprised as everyone else is that this is actually it's actually been pulled off. Um, yeah, that's a hell of a sign, isn't it? In, like you would just be, you would be so buzzing. You would be so, so buzzing, and it, it, it gets, it's even better because it's your rival's best player. Like it, obviously, in a well, what for Jesus Christ, who would it be for your lot? Well done, we got Jordan James in. <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything. But imagine Man United at a press conference and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're just, we're just going to announce the signing of, um, I don't know, some, some youngster from." Wexford and Erlen Harlem walked out <laughs> it would be like it would it would be incredible 
or we're like, oh yeah, we're just, we just we we've brought in this um we brought in this young winger from Egypt, and it turns out it's Mo Salah. It turns out it's Man United <laughs> shirt. Do you know what I mean? Like it would just be incredible. Um, and he he obviously when obviously then he goes and plays for Arsenal, etc. Starts the season, plays really well. Um, he's he start he he actually they they only play one season together, but he strikes up a really good partnership with Tony Adams. Now that that is a pairing that I would never ever ever want to deal with. That is like that in terms of when you talk about great centre back pairings in the Premier League. I think the ones that are most commonly mentioned are Ferdinand and Vidic, Carvalho and Terry. You could even throw. Um, you could even throw like Van Dyke and whoever's putting next to Van Dyke in there, whatever. I, I don't Gomez. know if they're, they're quite the same. No, nah, not Joe Gomez. Matip. Matip's better than Gomez. Um, Matip, mate, mate, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't the mate how, how defensive am I of Liverpool podcast, but Matip is class. Anyway, but when you think about it, the pairing of Adams and Campbell is sad that it kind of happened at the end of Adams' career, isn't it? Because I think that if they had four years together and he signed for Arsenal four years earlier, that would probably go down as one of the best in Premier League history. Yeah, that, that sounds like a physical nightmare. Like, imagine just being... In the, being in the six yard box for a corner, and you've got one in front of you, one behind you. You're just getting absolutely fucked. Sorry, but maybe not fucked, but <laughs> fake penalty box, <laughs> getting fucked. <laughs> fake taxi, the Premier League version. You've got Tony in front of you, so behind you, you're getting fucked. <laughs> oh no, I've left my wallet at home. <laughs> well, this is becoming quite a fucking occurrence, isn't it? <laughs> But yeah, Mate, no, this has turned the, into the, nonsense. The thought, the thought of coming up against those two, that that is a wall. You're not getting past that. They're they're just so big. And then you got you got Sol Campbell who's actually quick as well. If you do even get past the first one, the next one's going to catch you anyway. You're absolutely doomed, mate. Yeah. And then his and then his his the third choice centre back who then gets a little bit of his nose put out of place is Martin Keown. So you go from being two rocks to a fucking Martin Keown who buys those jumpers that have the shirts already stitched into them with the collars out mate he buys those he buys those jumpers with the shirts already stitched into them with the collars out drinks WKD and his favourite song is Don't You Worry Child by Swedish House Mafia <laughs> that is that's your best that, favourite song <laughs> yeah but he doesn't have the rest of that shit does he um, it, well, what, a sh- it's what a step down but anyway yeah so they play together great whatever yeah so exciting then Arsenal um Arsenal go and win the league. Well done, Sol, you sad little bastard. When Sylvan Wiltor scores against Man United at Old Trafford. <laughs> um, then they... Um, then Sol's obviously involved. Sol's obviously involved in a moment that I remember vividly um, when Man United played Arsenal 2002-2003 season when we played him away. Um, the two-all draw we spoke about before when Venistroy scores that unbelievable goal. Soul, Soul leaves the forearm. Soul leaves the forearm from hell on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And he's like, what? What? And he's like, mate, come on. It's, it's <laughs> relatively subtle, but come on. Um, I mean, yeah, he was that, was... that was the other thing about Soul Campbell, wasn't it? Was he was... It technically very good when you listen to him he's very eloquent and when he talks but he had a real fucking nasty streak in him if he wanted to didn't he yeah i think i i, I was reading i was reading about this and then i thought i'll go back and watch the the highlights from from the final because i uh, sorry, from the final from the game against united because i wanted to see how bad the foul was because <clears throat> the club appealed the foul they appealed the suspension sorry because obviously he was going to miss the the cup final um fucking hell magic the audacity to appeal it. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I thought, um, it could be, maybe it was like a, it was a soft one. It absolutely fucks him. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what's your obsession with people fucking each other? Can't they just play a game of football without fucking? <laughs> I just feel like Sol fucks everyone. Like, that's the only way I can describe <laughs> him. If you go into a tackle with him, you're getting fucked. Oh my god! All right, I'm putting that as a description of the podcast. So Campbell, I feel like he fucks everyone. <laughs> um, fuck me. I think what's I think look, we can't we can't mention this we can't mention this era of Arsenal as well. Obviously, after Sol's fucked everyone, we can't mention this era of Arsenal as well without mentioning the Invincibles, right? But actually, when I when I think about people who who 
represent that team and represent what it means to be like a top team and to do something like being invincibles. Arsenal had so much quality in their team, but they also had big, scary, hard, horrible bastards. And that is exactly what you need. Not all of them need to be hard, but you, you need to have like, you need to have people that are going to intimidate the other team. So I think if you looked at the other team, Jens Laban, nutter, Sol Campbell, maybe not nutter, but a, a, a predominant, a, a proficient fucker of everyone. <laughs> so every time someone steps on the pitch, they're worried they might get fucked. That's not Ashley my Cole, fucked. Ash <laughs> Ashley Cole, unbelievable player, absolute rat bag as well that you wouldn't want to go anywhere near. Lauren was fucking horrible. Patrick Vieira was fucking horrible. Gilberto was a big hard bastard. Burkamp was horrible. Do you know what I mean? Like it is, they had such a, not horrible in the sense of like they're bad people or they would they just kicked people up in the air. Nasty. But if you listen to ex people talk about Burkamp, yeah, Burkamp had a nasty streak. Layman, Cole, Torre, um, Campbell, Vieira, they all had nasty sides to them. So you just like you look at it and you go, Wow, fuck me, that is that is hard. That's gonna be hard graft um playing against them. And obviously that worked out well because they went forty nine games unbeaten. Until until the soul man gave away a penalty against Man United when Rooney scored. Ha 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 ha. And it's a hundred percent a dive and not a penalty. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Um towards the end of his time at Arsenal, right. Towards the end of his time at Arsenal. So the reason I wanted to talk the talk, talk about all the nasty streak of stuff is towards the end of his time. I think Wenger's Wenger's on Wenger's on spice. Or Wenger's, Wenger's just discovered YouTube and he's, he's discovered YouTube and gone, he's just gone in and gone, good defender, five star skill defender, next top defender, and he's brought in Pascal Segan and Philippe <laughs> Senderos, right? Bear in mind, he's gone from having Tony Adams, Martin Keogh, and I don't, we, look, we're not Martin Keogh's fans, but he was a good defender and a weasel. But then Campbell makes up a brilliant relationship with Colo Torre. And Colo Torre, again, is, I think, is someone who's criminally underrated. And because he did a few funny things, like that picture of him in the shower, by the way, <laughs> I think he gets, like, seen in a different light. But then he goes and buys these two. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, would you put Colo Torre in your top 10 um, African footballers? And would you put him higher than Michael Essien? Because obviously I did. I was getting a bit of stick about it recently. Um, but when you see him alongside Big Soul... It's, it's, it's without a question right so just wanted to bring that up um, I am over it I, I am I'm not going to talk about it anymore okay good just to answer your question yes I did put him in my top 10 as well I think I put him ninth, and you put him 8th so well done um, but anyway he um, he gets kicked out for Pascal Segan uh, Pascal Segan and Felipe Senderos and something if you look into Sol Campbell you'll know is Sol Campbell is quite outspoken right following his Instagram <laughs> following his Instagram is a bit of like a I, I don't know. He he's had no social media training, has he? His Instagram is an in, is an interesting experience if you follow it. And he's he, Soul is quite outspoken, right? It's like he's uninvited into your room, and he's talking directly. Like he's speaking into your soul. No pun intended. He's like the way he looks at the camera, and he does the. Mm, and he's like looking down on you because his phone's obviously down by his lap. It's just, mate, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, I followed him for a little bit and then I had to start unfollowing him because he was just, yeah, because he was just posting like so much. I was just like, I just need to unfollow him. So, sorry, Sol. Um, but one thing he does say when Sender, when, especially when Sendos, uh, when Sendos joins, he says, um, Campbell complained to Arsene Wenger that Sendros was a lucky player who should not be considered good enough to play at Campbell's expense. And I think I actually I don't think I've ever read a quote that's more spot on. He definitely shouldn't be playing ahead of Sol Campbell, no matter how old Sol Campbell is. But Philippe Zendros is literally the definition of a lucky player. Philippe Zendros was so average, was such an average footballer, and has played for Arsenal, AC Milan, uh, Valencia when Valencia were good. He was at Fulham, Evan. He's played at Villa. He's played at Rangers. Show me. He's played for several good, several big clubs, and at no point did I ever think, "Wow, he's good." Literally, not at one point did I ever think he was good. He might be the worst centre half I've ever seen at Villa. He was honking. He was so bad. Yeah, and that and that says yeah, a lot because there were some bad. We had some bad ones, and he was really bad. Yeah, he was. Um, he so, was yeah. crap. 
he was lucky. Um, and then his time at Arsenal comes to an end, which is, by the way, which is, again, I, I find this mental, right? He only played for Arsenal in the league 135 times. If you ask me, prior to doing this podcast, how many times Sol Campbell played in the league for Arsenal, I'd have said 300, because I would have just assumed he was got there earlier in the 90s and that he was there for longer. But he only played 135 times for Arsenal, which really isn't that much, is it? Madness. Nah, not at all. I would have um, thought he would have, yeah. I thought he stayed a bit longer. Then, then, then he makes the move. He starts wearing what I... We're going to talk about the kits a little bit more, but what I find outstanding about Portsmouth at this point is they're sponsored by Canterbury. Very much a rugby-only brand, right? A pure rugby-only brand. And then Big Soul turns up in his in his coppers. He always wore coppers. He turns up and he's wearing Canterbury and playing for Portsmouth instead of for <laughs> Arsenal. And do you know what makes it even better? He rejected Juventus. He rejected Juventus to go to Portsmouth. <laughs> I mean, I can see why. Can you? Yeah. Why would you want to play for that tiny little pathetic club in Italy when you can play for <laughs> Pompey? Yeah, to be fair, Pompey is some place as well, isn't it? I fucking love Portsmouth. So I agree. I've been to Portsmouth. I've been to Portsmouth for years of my life. I've never been to Turin. And I don't think I ever want to go to... Well, I would like to go to Turin. But I'd rather go back to Portsmouth again because it is some place. Where else can you be by the sea and near a town? <laughs> a lot of places gone. have things at a good... And have things at a good, cheap, not a premium price. Brighton, you're not getting that. Bournemouth, you're not getting that. You're paying a premium. Portsmouth, you are getting it at a good price. Portsmouth, there is a Weatherspoons right next to the beach. A Weatherspoons next to the beach. You're like, oh, I better go to the beach. God, good day at the beach. I've got six pounds in my pocket. What do I fancy? Oh, perfect. Four pints of Ruddles, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I, I started talking. I knew I thought, you were going to say Ruddles. What about? That's your go-to every time. You love talking about how yeah, cheap a pint of Ruddles yeah, no, is. Fucking, mate, I can't fucking get over how cheap Ruddles is. Um, you had a Ruddles before. Was, nah, have you? Nah, maybe we should we should get one. We should get one soon. Yeah, let's, they still sell Ruddles. Let's get Ruddled up, baby. Yeah, of course they do. Of course they mate, do. Can you imagine how rough um, you'd be the next day of the night on the Ruddles. <laughs> mate, could you imagine how rich you'd be after, though? You'd have, you'd have 13 pounds. <laughs> 13 pounds got out of my account, and why do I feel so rough? Oh, because you've had 10 pints of Ruddles for 13 pounds. <laughs> um, I enjoy his his quote on his time in Portsmouth. I enjoyed my spell at Portsmouth. It was like going back to a different time. Everyone was up against it, mucking in. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically, that, which is basically so like a polite way to say it was a shithole. <laughs> it, it was a shithole. Our players weren't very good, but they worked quite hard. It was like going back to a different time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we weren't very good, but we really did try. I feel like it was going back to a different time is such a like a, a comment that someone that's only ever lived in London would say. <laughs> and it's like, it, it is though, isn't it? Fuck. People drive cars on the streets. This is mental. But his his time his time is actually a really successful one. So he actually ends up he gets he gets named club captain. He signs a one year deal initially. He signs a two year deal initially, which then gets extended to a three to a, so after his first season he signs a two year extension with a bigger pay uh, pay package. Becomes captain and he wins the FA Cup for Portsmouth. Which if when you get, drive to Portsmouth, if you when you go into the city, it's on the sign of the city it says like Welcome to Portsmouth, two thousand and eight FA Cup winners. <laughs> which just I love Portsmouth. Um, but then he, so 2008, all good. And then we all know what happens in Portsmouth. They go into financial turmoil and Big Soul uh, leaves at the end of the 2008-2009 season. And then he sues the club. Sues the club uh, for unpaid image rights and bonus payments. £1.7 million. Thank you, Soul, for that. That's, that's not very um, mucking in of you, Soul. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would, you know, just mucking in. We're doing it together. The team are all together. Woohoo. And for, actually, can you send me that £1.7 million that you owe me, please? <laughs> <laughs> Can't pay it. Winding up order. He, um, ah, oh, mate, uh, like, he, uh, I don't know whether I love him or hate him, but I think this next, I think this next move sort of, again, I think, I think, I, 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 Sol Campbell, Sol Campbell, right? Play really well done really well everywhere he then goes to Notts County right he goes to Notts County 
and he signs a five-year deal at Notts County in League Two. Sol Campbell played just played for Arsenal, played three years at Portsmouth Premier League. Five-year deal at Notts County. He basically gets paid a shitload. At this point, Notts County were owned by a Middle Eastern consortium who had fuckloads of money. So he's getting paid a fuckload to play in there. Their manager was Sven Goran Eriksson. They signed Kasper Schmeichel at the same time as well. He said that um, Sven Goran Eriksson was a big reason that he made the decision he did. First game, 19th of December, 2-1 lost to Morecambe. (laughs) First game, 2-1 lost to Morecambe, right? And then do you know what makes it even better? 2-1 loss, right? He's literally just signed five-year deal on the 19th of September. 24th September, he cancels his contract. He cancels his contract <laughs> by mutual consent. So a five-year deal lasts literally five days from his debut. He said he was embarrassed that he was being a mug. <laughs> and then he went back. And then the, the class thing, which is shout out Sol for this. So this is the where I said the hate love thing. He signs a five-year deal. He obviously gets a bit of a payoff from that. So fair play, Sol. It's all money in the bank, isn't it? Then he goes back to Arsenal, plays the second half of the season for Arsenal. <laughs> in the Prem. In the Prem. <laughs> League two. Um, this is not working. Back to the Premier League, please. And then and then off to Newcastle where it all goes to shit. Um and that's his career. We haven't spoke too much about England, but we will speak about them very briefly. So that's his career in a nutshell. So what we're gonna talk about quickly is we're gonna have a look at the top three kits. We've come together and we've compiled a list of a top three set of kits. I don't know if it's the top three for me, but we'll we'll go for it. Yeah, I think I think the one that needs to be in here that isn't in here that I'm going to give an honorable mention straight straight away is the Burgundy Arsenal kit from their final season at the Highbury. Unbelievable kit, unbelievable kit. Um, so we've gone for we've gone for Sol Campbell's kits, right? So bear in mind he played for a lot of big clubs, played for a lot of big clubs, a lot of nice shirts. He wore some absolute shitters, like I'm going to say. That Ports of Canterbury shirt is a shocker. I've actually got that shirt as well. Um, his, we've gone four. In number, I don't, Jesus Christ, why am I taking so long to get it out? Spit it out, man! <laughs> um, we've gone four. Kit number three, the Ports of 0809 home kit. All right. Which is sponsored by... The Canterbury one that you just said was shit. <laughs> you've guessed it, Canterbury. Um... Nice shirt, shirt though. though. I think the away shirts, the away shirt is nice. The away shirt's nice, especially. But I think the home the shirt one. is nice. We've gone for that. The black one's nice, but I think we've gone for third. The ports, the blue ports of home shirt. Second place, we've gone for Topspur. What's that? Tottenham Hotspur home shirt, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Right, mm. which some people have said. I've heard people say to me before that shirt is pony. And the thing is, I agree with them, but I do also think it is a really nice shirt as well. <laughs> and if you don't know what that shirt is, uh, then wait till you see it because you're going to go, wow, that's a really good joke. I have a confession to make on that shirt. Talk to me. That was my first ever football shirt. Whoa! Whoa! Yeah. What the hell, John yeah. Villa? It had Darren Anderson on the back. One of my cousins gave it to me. He was a Tottenham fan. Um, at the time, I didn't really like football. Um probably worth quite a bit of money now but i think my dad threw it in the bin which is good uh where it belongs really 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 weirdly i when i was when i was a teacher some ki- some students showed me this ki- these kids went to a charity shop over lunch and come back and show me because obviously knew that i liked football shirts and they had i i can't remember whether it was that kit or the umbro kit from a couple seasons before tottenham one that they found with darren anderton on the back and he oh sold it to his mate God. for like 40 quid sold it to his mate for like 40 quid but he paid two quid for it mate those are the things you dream of those are the things you dream of, isn't it? Walking into a charity shop and seeing an old football shirt for two quid. Oh, I'll never forget. I saw a Celtic shirt. I think it's the 2001. And at the time, I don't think I even had fucking 3G on my phone or even have a smartphone. But I seen it. And I seen it. I saw it in a, in, a, in a charity shop. And at the time, I thought, that is, that's definitely fake. But looking back on it, Celtic definitely had that shirt. And it has like all this like mental print on the actual shirt. But yeah, when I saw it, I was like, That's de- that, looks, that looks fake. But no, they actually did play in it. So um, that one lives rent-free in my head because I reckon that's worth a bit of money now. Yeah, I I think about... 
I once I once went into a charity shop and saw a Canada goose coat in a charity shop for I think it was sixty quid, and I didn't buy it. And I just think, mate, I could have sold that for like three four hundred quid. And I don't know why I didn't buy it. I also remember vividly, right, one that lives rent free in my head. There's a football shirt that's, that's closer. Is we went when I went to Madrid with Woolly and Jeffs. We were walking around like the, there's like vintage markets. We were walking around them, and Woolly was like, "Oh my god!" And he pointed at a 2006 Real Madrid shirt. I think it might be 2007. I might no, must be a little bit later than that. It was with the season that Ronaldo signed, the one with the lush little like gold bit in the middle of it, Spanish sign in the middle with Raúl on the back. Perfect, ten euros. Everything was ten euros, and these two girls walked in front and picked it up as we were walking towards it, and I was like. Oh my oh. god, my heart is broken. <laughs> my heart is actually broken. I didn't want to buy it. Woody was going to buy it. Woody was like, ah! <laughs> didn't get it. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, got it. Um, right, anyway, back to the list. Uh, number one, I think this is a safe bet. Safe as ours is, actually. I think it is number one. It's a 2003-2004 Arsenal shirt. Nike, Adidas. Nike, Arsenal, 02. As a combo, does not miss. Doesn't miss. Impossible. No? I don't think it's the best, no. What do you think's the best? I think I think the best Arsenal one that he wore, I think it was that one that they wore it's an away shirt, the away shirt they they play, they wore in the Champions League final, the yellow with the grey. You know? Ooh, I get, yeah, I'm yeah. A, mate, I've got a thing about those total ninety shirts. But that yeah, that one was that's my favourite one I think that he wore. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to overrule you, but I, okay. I like that shirt as well. So I'm going to say that we're going to say their top three kits are the Portsmouth 2008-2009 home shirt, which is the 110-year anniversary shirt, the Tottenham 97-99 shirt, which some people say is pony, but I think it's really nice, um, and the Arsenal 0304 home shirt, with honourable mentions to all of the Adidas Spurs shirts, a big honourable mention to that yellow and grey Arsenal away shirt, and a mention to the Highbury shirt, because they're all lush. Right, those those are top three gits. Now, with Sol Campbell being a defender, it's hard to go for his top three goals. We've got them, but I wanted there's two things I want to talk about before we talk about them. One is his disallowed goal versus Portugal, which I think is the first time that I had felt real heartbreak as a child yeah. watching football. <laughs> I think other than yeah. other than Ronald, I think Ronaldinho's goal, Ronaldinho's goal, I kind of thought I I, I kind of got it, but I was like eight. Whereas this, when I was at 12, I, pr- I was properly liking football and I remember the goal being disallowed and I thought, oh shit, oh, this actually really hurts. Were we 12? I remember crying. No, 2004. Sorry, we went 12. We were 10. Yeah, I remember crying myself to sleep. <laughs> it's not a foul either, is it? He's just a fuck. No, it's He's just su- let it's like a, a disgrace. Fucking... Mate, it's the fact that he has come at him. It must be, the goal for the goalie, it must be being like hit by a fridge. He's literally come in and fucking won that head. A full fridge has just come and absolutely knocked the goalie out. It's never a foul. It's a great header. It's a great header. Um, Which hurts. That's the moment that hurts. A moment to, uh, two moments to laugh about, which we've mentioned, one we've mentioned a lot, is where he's on Sky and he's like, okay, so we've got, um, you can see this, oh, Brazil, Belgium. Yeah, I see that there, Brazil, Belgium. So out of Brazil, Belgium, yeah, yeah. The game Brazil, Belgium. Who do you think is going to win that game out of Brazil, Belgium? I think France. (laughs) One of the great, I would say, I'm going to say, if not the greatest football meme clip, it's in the top three. It is incredible. It's incredible. Oh, one of my favourite ones that goes, one of my favourite ones that always does me is, he's got a go blood. He has the go blood. And, and who would you bring in? <laughs> okay. Allegro blood. Always makes me laugh, but not as much as, not as much as, I think France is so good. Because the presenters said it to him so patronisingly because he's like, fuck me, Sol Campbell's a bit of a loose cannon. He could say something a bit, a bit wild here. And he's gone for, oh, I think France. Um, which is which is but one number one and the second one the second one is his slide tackle against Croatia <laughs> 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 where he can't stop and he's like waving his arms and his feet like nervous because he can't stop going <laughs> he literally can't stop <laughs> it's, it is the de- like it is the do 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 it is the prime <laughs> video for 
It is the prime video for that. <laughs> when he's off the pitch, when he's off the pitch and he's like on the concrete on the side because he literally cannot stop going. It is he so recovers fucking well, funny. Um, oh, mate, that is so... That's actually brought me to tears just thinking about it. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, Should we go oh, through his goals? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. So... Uh, so in third place, we've put his goal, Arsenal versus Portsmouth, which is which is a disgusting goal. That's not like Sol Campbell, is it? An absolute boomer from fucking 25 yards out, which is not what we associate with Sol Campbell. I reckon his FIFA card's got 40 shooting, and this guy has got 75 shooting if he's hitting shots like this. It is an absolute fucking thunderbolt. On the goal, you can't... No matter how shit... Like, whoever it is that's taking the ball in that position, no matter how shit they are, you do not let them get a shot off. You at least try to close them down. They give him so much respect. They're like, he doesn't absolutely no way this is going anywhere other than straight into Rosette. And he absolutely spanks it in the bottom corner. It's a disgrace, mate. Unbelievable stuff from Sol. Um, great goal. Number two, and number one, both give me the similar type of vibes, right? So number two is his goal against Sweden in the 2002 World Cup. And the only way I would describe this header is in basketball, when someone gets a poster, when someone does like a, when someone slam dunks in basketball and it's like, it's like one of those where you where like it's slammed down and then they look at the other person, stare them out type thing. It is that as a header. He literally eats everyone alive, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't stop running. He so he's he he runs. He's at full <laughs> speed when he makes connection with that header. He runs. He's at full speed. He heads it. He lands. He's back at full speed. He runs off to celebrate. It's unreal, man. That's that's my favorite one of his. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We'll we'll put that as number one. We can we'll, we'll do we'll read through this afterwards. So number two is his goal against Barcelona in the Champions League final. Very similar vibes, but not quite as not quite as aggressive and as fast. Another great header where he eats the defenders alive. And his celebrations class because he's off. He's off on his holiday. See you later, Sol. In a proper big time gone. So our three best Sol Campbell goals are at number three. Sol, uh, Sol Campbell's goal against Portsmouth, which is a bullet, but shite defending. Number two, his goal against Barcelona, which is an absolute rocket header where he's eating the defender alive. And number one is his goal against Sweden, which is very similar to a poster in basketball, like a slam dunk, but at 100 miles an hour. And he has bulleted it in. So that is Sol Campbell. So let's ask the questions. Is Sol Campbell underrated or overrated? I, don't, I wouldn't say he's overrated at all. So I can only say he's underrated. But I don't think... I'm going to sit on the fence. I think he's rated. But if we're going to have to ask the question, I will get to it. He's underrated. Okay, cool. Uh, I agree. I think he's underrated. Um, Especially technically, I think he was technically underrated. He's very good, very good footballer. Yeah. I think he was underrated. I think that's why I would say he's underrated. I think I don't think he's not a, he's not great. I think everyone thinks he's great. Um but I think he's underrated. Um because of how technically good he was. How much would Sol Bamba how I just call him Sol Bamba. <laughs> if he, I'll tell you, I can I can promise you now he'd be worth more than Sol Bamba. Um how much would he be worth in the modern day transfer window? Um, in his peak, probably. If Vardy was worth ninety million, ninety million. Yeah, agreed. He's. I would I actually say the same he, money. Yeah, I would literally. I think. I think so. I don't. I can't see him. He's well over massive. Obviously, massively overpaid on Vardy, but yeah, I reckon he'd be around that. I love not not a hundred million. I don't think I don't think a defender really would probably no. command that sort of fee, but close to it. Yeah, agreed. Right. Here are my questions. Are you ready, Dono? Let's go. I'll make them quick because I know that you, we need to rush off. So, uh, question number one. Who did he make most appearances with at Arsenal? Mike Keane. <laughs> the answer is Thierry Henry. He played most games with Thierry Henry at Arsenal, which surprised me. I thought it would be someone like Martin Keown as well, but it's Thierry Henry. Um, who scored more goals for England, Sol Campbell or Rio Ferdinand? 
So Campbell. Rio Ferdinand scored three times for England. So Campbell scored once. What? Scored once for England. That goal against Sweden is his only goal for England. That is wow. mental, isn't it? There's a mental statistic for you. 73 times, one goal. And the only goal is his goal against Sweden. If you're going to score one goal for England, that is a fucking great goal. And he should have had that. He should have had two more. Yeah, he should have had two more. It should be three. Um, question number three. He moved to Newcastle. Who sponsored or what, like what brand made their kit while he was there? Adidas. They were sponsored by Northern Rock. Incorrect. It was Puma. It was that horrible Puma kit. That's was one it? Of, one of my least favourite Newcastle kits. The one that has the Puma badge in the middle is horrible, I think. Um, true or false? Sol Campbell retired from management in 2023 despite having been unemployed and not had a managerial job since the end of 2020. This is true. I saw. I remember seeing this. Yeah. Sol Campbell's win, rate, win percentage as a manager is 22%. And he retired from management because he didn't get offered any other jobs. He got Southend relegated and he kept Macclesfield Town up. He kept Macclesfield Town up. Macclesfield Town went into financial difficulty and then he demanded money off them and he sued them for about 150 grand. So <laughs> cheers, Sol. <laughs> mucking in. <laughs> He's always mucking in, old Sol. Well done, mate. Question number five. <laughs> Um, Soul, Cam- Soul Campbell once released Soul Campbell once released a song with Tony Adams and Martin Keown that was very similar to this um, very similar to that song that goes Hey Sister Soul Sister but it's called Hey Brothers Soul Brothers so he got his defensive brothers in to sing the song with him true or false true yeah true correct again and that is us lights camera action done mate how good was Why Soul have Campbell you done that? very good what what the fuck know. was that Right, that was us. If you if you if you haven't already, like subscribe. Um, the socials are at matehcw. If you haven't given us five stars on Spotify, please give us five stars on Spotify, please, because we would love your five stars so much, please. Um, and I think that's it. Tiki Toki is up and running. Instagram is up and running. We're there. At MateHCW, follow us for some stupid and funny content and listen to us talk over some videos of people who are really good at things by two people who weren't very good at football. Um, And that's it. So it's a goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. I love you so much. Bye. I think France.